Hello and welcome to All in the Addicted Gamblers podcast. My name is Brian and I am here to tell everybody that we have a new sponsor for the podcast. It's not quite a new sponsor as much as it is our first sponsor. That's right, we have a sponsor. And I'm pleased to announce that Gamban has partnered with me to help present this podcast. You see, for years I've been doing this podcast and it is a wonderful and the, one of the best experiences of my life to be able to do this podcast and talk to as many people as I can about gambling addiction. There are so many of us that are affected by our own addiction to gambling. Gamban is an app that you can download to your phone, your tablet, or your computer to help you block websites that have gambling on them. So if you gamble online, this app is for you. Now, this app is $3.49 a month, or you can get a 15% discount and purchase it for the whole year for $34.99. Now, what does Gamban do? Well, Gamban will block those websites that you like to go to and gamble, and that is a roadblock. And roadblocks are important when you are trying to recover from gambling addiction. If you can't access it on your phone, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to stop gambling. I've spoken to the people behind Gamban, and they are good people. If you want to check out more about this, go to episode 96. Melissa from Gamban hopped on and talked to Jeff and I for an episode to talk about what it is that Gamban does. And the best part about Gamban is that it's presented by lived experience people. These people had a gambling addiction, and they came up with a solution. Go to Gamban.com. Check out all the information. Uh, They do do a seven-day free trial, so if you just want to pop it on your phone or tablet or computer and give it a try for free, you can do that. So my thanks to Gamban for sponsoring. You'll be hearing me talk more about Gamban. We'll have some more people from Gamban on the podcast. And in the meantime, please listen and learn from those who know a better life without gambling. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to All in the Addicted Gamblers podcast. My name is Brian and I haven't placed a bet since July of 2014. And with me as always is Jeff Wasserman. Jeff, how are you? Hey, Brian. I'm good. Oh, and I haven't placed a bet since July of 2015. Awesome, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, we we have the guests of all guests today. We had this is this is history right here because we have so much history. We all talked a long time ago separately, but here he is, the man from after gambling, before gambling, dad cooks bacon. DYVE agency, anything you need to know about gambling recovery, he is on point with. Jamie Salzberg, welcome to the podcast, and it's so good to see you and have you on here. It's good to see and talk to you guys. This is a long time in the making, and yeah, this July thing, I haven't gambled since July of 2010, so there's another commonality amongst us. Dude, that is is the podcast. That is the higher power at work, Jamie. So Jamie, for those who don't know you, which I assume there'll be only few, but- for those who don't know you, could you tell everybody what it is that you do? Sure. So in uh, 2018, I started a podcast, the After Gambling Podcast, after listening to some guy named Brian on a podcast. And it was one of those things that obviously I'd stopped gambling in 2010, attended Gamblers Anonymous. Uh, we can talk about my background of gambling. But as a marketer, I, I love podcasts. I listen to all sorts of podcasts about business and life. And so all of a sudden, one day, I remember I was doing a puzzle. It was like, it's about this time of year, like November, I think of probably 2017. And we're doing a puzzle and I'm like, oh, there's a gambling podcast. And I started listening to it. And about 15 episodes later, I'm like, man, this is, this is great. Like, and it was one of those things that I'd long thought like, okay, this is a great opportunity to reach out to people, to create that bridge to people, because you can listen to it with your headphones in. Nobody knows what it was. And so like listening to your podcast was validation that this concept that kind of kicked around for a while was definitely a valid thing and it kind of gave me the confidence to go forward. So I obviously thank you. I know I've mentioned that to you before, but you have been, you've been very nice. Really cool. So yeah, 2018 started the podcast. Um, some people started listening to it and that summer went to the national council and problem gambling was here in Cleveland and got involved in kind of that scene. And it's been very cool for my life to really kind of see what just doing the podcast and sharing my struggles with gambling. Um, my last day running off the river boat, um, well, let's talk about that. Sure. We don't have to go into, you know, we don't have to do an hour long on your story because there's so much else to talk about. But what is what is your gambling that you did? Yeah, so I was a poker player. Um, about, well, I was about 21-ish. I mean, I didn't know whether a straight beat a flush or a full house. I didn't know a single damn thing. But my buddies and I, we were all golfers and we gambled on the golf course, but that was never anything that got into too much issue. But 
uh, one night over the summer, we went to one of their buddies' house and they're playing cards and they're playing poker. And I'm sitting there watching for a half hour, 45 minutes. I'm like, I literally am sitting there. I don't know what's going on um, in the game, but obviously the competitive part of me, and I started to learn and study and started to see, okay, this sounds interesting. And sat down and played for a little bit. It was like $10 buy-in. Um, but that was 2003, I believe. And that was the year that Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker on ESPN. So, I mean, a bunch of early 20 something guys or seven of us living in a house in college. And so that was just what we watched. And so we watched and we started playing home games and then we started playing online and all of a sudden we started playing online separately and local games. And for most of the guys in my house, they kind of only played in those games, but there were a couple of us that definitely took it a little bit further. And uh, yeah, personally, I mean, I got to where I was playing at one point eight tables online at once, which is just maddening um, listening to music at the same time uh, uh, definitely a lot of insanity going on there and uh, over the course of seven years attempted to quit many times but just kept digging myself that bigger and bigger hole I had probably enough success with it at times that I could convince myself that this is something I can do and and be successful at uh, but then I would uh, always have the big drop-offs that you guys know about and that's kind of the origin of the logo on my website because I would always remember the wins it was this steady increase up but my mind would block out that straight line down where I'd go to zero and beyond. And I, I lived that cycle for most of my twenties. Um, and like I said, attempted to quit, quit for like nine months at one point, just kind of cold Turkey. Um, then a quick little game with some buddies and all of a sudden by the weekend, I'm back playing four tables online. So I was doing that I was hiding it from everybody except for my mom basically. And so I dug myself a huge financial hole. Finally, um, the riverboat story, I was coming home from a conference in Chicago and there was a, we didn't have, we didn't have casinos here in Ohio at the time. So I had to go to these like poker rooms and some of that stuff, but there was a casino on the way home in Gary, Indiana. So I got up at about 6am, uh, to drive home because I needed to have enough time to get home without anybody saying, well, why did it take you so long to get home? Why are you home late? And I stopped there in the morning, um, of all the degenerate crazy things. I mean, cause you're not thinking rationally. So I stopped to play at about 7am in Gary, Indiana and all of a sudden my phone is starts ringing. It's my fiance at the time, now wife. And she keeps calling and calling. I'm like, why does she keep calling me? And then I scroll up and I realize I'd pocket dialed her from the table. And she was under the understanding that I was not gambling anymore. And I had no clue what she had heard. I literally ran to the cashier, threw all my chips. Like they're counting out the dollars. I'm like, just give me the whatever and get the hell out. Ran off the riverboat. Uh, called her back, which was one of the hardest things I've ever done, came clean to her, said, Hey, I'm really kind of screwing up here, uh, but I need to get on a better path. And it was a long five hour home drive home, uh, from Gary, Indiana and started that day, started making some changes in my life, which now I continue to make here 10 years later. So that's kind of in a nutshell, my, my gambling experience. Was your gambling limited to poker? almost exclusively, uh, aside from like, I mean, there was one, I mean, there were some pretty traumatic things that I remember, um, doing $200 spins on a roulette wheel to chase, but that would be like, I'd play poker. Like I'd buy in for a couple hundred bucks and play with that for a week, two weeks and build it up to significant amounts when I would lose. And that's, I was comp always been competitive. I'm a golfer, basketball player, athlete. Like, I mean, if you play tic-tac-toe, I, I want to win. Like that's our family atmosphere. And we always were in that competitive mode. So when I would lose at poker, especially when it was kind of a bad beat, something, Hey, there's a 2% chance, 4% chance of me losing. I would get so pissed and I would just chase and, and then try to get people back. And so I'd lose all this money in a quick span that I'd built up and spent all the time. So that was the only time I would go outside of poker was when I was trying to chase to get that, that money that I'd spent all that time and energy building up. So I was like, well, crap, I gotta, I gotta build this back up. And so it was, I'd go to things like blackjack, but outside of that, I mean, I bet on sports a little bit, um, nothing that was substantial. I mean, the, the blackjack and roulette was just kind of the quick back. There was no interest. Uh, I think the math side of me knew that those were all losing games. So it was literally just a, can I get a quick hit? You know, it's interesting with poker players. I think they're, they're kind of unique because I've heard that before where they almost exclusively play poker and the only time or one of the only times they gamble outside of poker is to try to fund their poker. So they're, yeah. they're thinking that either they need to make up or chase losses or they want to fund a buy-in for poker. So it's really um, quite targeted. Now, you know, me on the other hand, I would have gambled on anything. 
but it sounds to me like your gambling was so related to skill and competition. Whereas like Brian and I were slot players and that takes no skill. That takes no competition. That's just pure gambling for the sake of either the action of winning or numbing yourself. No, absolutely. And that's, I was, I was always a math guy. I mean, math was always my, my, my subject in school. I was the mental math champion in sixth and seventh grade, a real nerd accomplishment. Um, but yeah, I mean, so when I saw this game and it's just math, okay, what's the probability? There's, there's only so many cards and you try to figure out what other people hold. But aside from that, even if you don't know what they hold, you have a pretty good idea on the math behind it. And that was something that was appealing to me that I hadn't, there was no appeal to slots or other card games because it was just like, you're playing against the house and the longer you play, the more you're going to lose. It's just math. Like it's going to work out that way. So that's, there is something different to poker um, that, that I think can, can draw you in. And if you're not cognizant and aware, which I wasn't of the emotional side of things and, and having those protections in place, cause yeah, you could, you could, you could spend two weeks, three weeks, a month building up money and you could blow it as fast as you want it to. So that's, were you able to stick to your plan when you played poker? I mean, obviously that game has a lot of skill, a lot of strategy and not all gamblers that play poker, especially compulsive gamblers, are able to do the right moves because they want to be in action. And if they get dealt, you know, lousy pocket cards, they they should fold at, you know, many games in a row, but some of them need to be in that action. So I wondered how did that uh, fit in with your with your craving to gamble? Yeah. So if you just beat me on a hand that I shouldn't have, then there was no rational thought. Um, but yeah, and that's like, even when looking back, like the emotions, when I was in kind of a good place, mental place, yeah, I played a completely different game. And even with poker, like I didn't play, I, almost all mine was online. Um, but you tend to change up one of the strategies, you change up your, the way you play. And like you play in different ways, even within a session, like you may play a certain way for a little bit to give an impression of one thing. And it's all part of a bigger strategy to then change your, your style. So most of the time, I mean, like the majority of the time I was able to play within that strategy, but then there was the time. I mean, it was literally like, I mean, I compare it to like free falling or jumping out of an airplane where you're just, you're going and you just watch the money online and the number just goes down and down and down. And like, it was almost out of body. You're like, you already know the answer is it's going to go to zero and then whatever else you can max out on a credit card but you just don't stop it. And like, that's where, so at that point, no, there's zero rational thought. There's just, yeah, shove it in. And, and that that's when the game became more like a roulette wheel or a, a 21 game for me, not the strategy. Um, when I was playing at the beginning of those sessions and that's kind of the, it's, it's, it was interesting. You'd start off with this strategy and you'd work your way and you work your way. And then you just throw that out the window. The first time the emotions got the best of me. What was your recovery like then? You mentioned you went to Gamblers Anonymous a bit and you did therapy. What did you yeah. find that worked for you? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, GA was one of the first things. Um, my fiance at the time, now wife, was very bright. And she, when we met that night after my long drive home, she said, look, I, I know you are a good person and I know you can beat this, which was huge. Like I was having that confidence and hearing that from somebody that, that obviously I loved quite deeply was it was a good reassuring thing, but she also didn't sugarcoat it. She said, and you're going to go to Gamblers Anonymous. Here's where the meeting is and teed me up. And if we had some engagement prior. So I didn't go to the very first Monday, but the first one after that, I started going to GA. Um, and that was really good for me. My first meeting, I was very lucky. We had so many guys with 30, 25, 30 years of experience. I mean, it was any night there'd be guys with over a hundred years of experience. And so to hear their stories and for the first time to, to say my story and to realize that other people had, had thought the same things and had done the same things it really helped me to, to kind of come to peace with some of that well, as well as like kind of admit it to other people. And then also, I mean, the biggest thing was to learn, okay, this guy has 30 years. Like if he says something like that holds a lot of weight more so than the guy that's saying something that has six months in a lot of ways, like there's value in all those stories, but it gave me a path to follow. So that was for the most part, um, the main part after a little while, uh, my wife actually suggests I go see a therapist. And that was the one that I saw. Um, and that was really good for me. And that started sorting through some of the other stuff that wasn't gambling related, but some of the kind of the emotional stuff that I hadn't even really thought of. And so that was very effective for me. Um, I've also had some bad therapy sessions. That's why I always tell people like therapists, like 
if it doesn't, if it doesn't feel like it's working out, just go try somebody else. Same with GA, any, all this stuff. Like I think too many times we get caught up. I know personally I do like, all right, if one example of, uh, of a recovery system doesn't work, it doesn't mean that that whole sit, that whole strategy doesn't work. It just means that maybe there's not a good fit, especially with therapists and GA. Like you gotta have, you have to have a connection of some kind. I had a therapist and we were, I mean, it didn't help. She walked in with a world series of poker lanyard on the first uh, meeting, which was an interesting one for me as a poker player. Um, yeah, that was odd. But again, like, it's just, you got to have the right, the right mix. You find people that you connect with. One of my good friends from GA, we have so many things in common outside of GA. And that's why we hang out. We play golf. We talk about business. So like finding those things, but yeah, that was huge for me. And then now, obviously like the one thing I wish I would have done way sooner was it took me eight years to start talking publicly about it, but that's been phenomenal. I mean, as far as a recovery system, just talking about my worst days in life and getting that off. So there's not the shame and stigma. I don't walk around with that. Anybody can listen to it and it doesn't, doesn't kind of define me anymore. So that's been a huge part. Was that difficult to do initially? Oh, absolutely. And especially because, okay, so I'm going to Gamblers Anonymous for eight years and part of GA is uh, keep everything in house. Don't talk about it. No publicity, which as a marketer, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, like page one says we grew because of a prominent newspaper columnist and TV commentator gives good PR. And then it's like, but don't talk about anything. Yeah. And and I'm obviously my approach is I don't talk about anybody else's stuff. Like other people's story is not my story to tell. And that's like, there's complete unknown. And I don't know the the word that we all can't say anonymity. Anonymity, gotta, like yeah. I used to when reading the yellow book in in the meetings, I was like, ah, oh, crap, here we go. It's my turn to read this word, and I, I haven't stumbled on that in like nine years. So, but no, yeah, anonymity, like of other people. But my own personal um, was something I came to the decision and talking to other people that I was okay with kind of giving up. Was it easy? No, it was frightening in a lot of ways. Um, but it was one of those things that I'm glad I did because it's been nothing but positive going forward. Uh, well, let's talk about it because it's it, it's fun. It's it's fun to think about this whole like background of these podcasts. I went in just like I need to talk to somebody, and I can't afford therapy because I just again gambled and did my worst damage that I had done. And so I, I was like, I got to talk to somebody. And I was like, I'll talk to my friend Chris. That's easy. I can do that. Oh, I like podcasts. I've wanted to do one for a long time. Didn't know what to do it about. Let's do it about gambling. Why not? I have no idea. So then I look like is somebody else doing this because sort of you don't you're like, I wonder if anybody else is doing this or if maybe they tried it and left. You know, sometimes you'll see podcasts that started and then faded and then disappeared. And I was there's no one. All I see are gambling podcasts. There's nobody doing gambling addiction or or the other side of gambling. Like, all right, cool. Let's try that. But it was literally it was selfish. It was just for me to recover. That's all it was for. I said, I got to I got to talk to Chris and we'll put it up. Then, you know, you run out of stories to tell. You're like, what do we do now? I wonder if my friend from GA will come on and tell his story. I wonder if that person I know that gambled will tell their story. All right. Well, now somebody emailed and they'll tell their story. And it sort of grew from there. You know, I keep saying on here, if, if, if people don't come on and share their stories, this podcast is going to die. And that's okay. We've sort of learned to talk about other things, you know, as far as the politics of gambling and whatnot. But at the beginning, it was just about me and trying to get recovery down. And then so enter in a few years later and there's this new podcast and there's an email from somebody named Jeff Wasserman and Jeff sort of says, Hey, I like your podcast. I was just wanted to say hi. And I'm a fellow gambler as well. And there's this other podcast as well called after gambling. No, no, it was at the time it was gambling still sucks, which I thought was a great title. Cause it like that exactly is what it is like, there's no confusion about what it is. Well, do you want to know why that was the title? So, I mean, to your point, you said earlier, like all you could find were, were podcasts about how to gamble, right? And so like, that's, I'm like, how do I come up with a title that tells people like, this isn't about how to gamble? And I was like, well, gambling still sucks. So yeah, yeah we can talk about the segue, but yeah, sorry to interrupt. But yeah. Oh no, you're fine. Too. You're fine. Interrupt anytime. That's what I like. Um, <laughs> I'm always like the podcasts where I talk the least are the best ones. So whatever works. I'll remember that next time you tell me I'm interrupting too much. (laughs) (laughs) But then you, you switch the name and it was after gambling and all of a sudden, you know, I sort of, I stopped just doing mine one day. It's sometimes that's part of my behavior in this whole thing is I still haven't fixed some of the stuff that I was gambling for. And one of those is that I just sometimes if I feel like I have to do something, I, I run away and I hide in the corner and I'm like, I don't want to do it. I, you know, and and like it, and then, you know, Jeff emails and he shows an interest in coming on the podcast 
Although later I, I did find out Jeff came on your podcast before he came on this one. And I still steal all your guests. You, you told me who I should talk to. Andy who's one of my good friends. That was, I know. I see that you guys talk Heat it up. It's great. It's wonderful. Well, okay. So full disclosure, you know, that email I sent you, Brian, um, I kind of got the names of the podcasts mixed up. So do you remember my email starting with hi, Somebody- Jamie? <laughs> well, somebody recently did that too. <laughs> no. <laughs> somebody from Canada emailed me, Jamie, and yeah. said, Hi, Jamie. And, and I said, I I think you might be confused, but you have our email address. You should listen to both podcasts, but just so you know, this one is called All in the Addicted Gamblers Podcast. And so when I was trying to start, I, I was trying to do a podcast that was about what we were talking about, about recovery but sneak it in to all those gambling ones. And so I thought that's why I went with the all in because it was more of a poker phrase. And I thought, okay, I'll sneak in and somebody will accidentally listen to it. And now I'm just sort of stuck. I would have grabbed a much smaller title if I could rename it now, but it is what it is at this point. Um, So you came on the scene and you were doing well. People were talking about your podcast on the internet and I got raging jealous of your podcast. It was good. People were talking about it. I, st- I mean, still now, and I get people who are like, oh, you do a podcast? Is it like that after gambling podcast? And so I still get people who say that. And I'm like, wow, he knows what he's doing marketing wise, because I cannot get my head out of my butt to market this thing better. So there was this period of time where I was a little, I, I was a little jealous of you. And then you and I spoke. I think after I had interviewed Jeff and and you and I spoke, you emailed me. And I think that was when I was not doing the podcast. I was just sort of taking time away and cowering in a corner. And so years later, I look back at my emails and I go, oh my gosh, Jamie emailed me. Did I not respond? I don't remember. Oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed that I didn't respond. He's got a better podcast now and I'm jealous. I don't want to talk to this guy. And that's where my head went. And it I, I started out my, you know, when I was younger, I, I, I was doing stand up and improv because that's what I like doing. And so I was up on stages and it was cool and it was fun. And now my biggest insecurity in life is those people that I started out with, some of them are doing quite well. Like they're, they're known commodities in the world. And all I look back when I see them in a movie or doing stand up or on TV is all I think about is all the hard work I did not do and all the gambling I was doing. And so that's my insecurity is I cannot then watch the project that they do. And so the same thing happened where I was like, this guy took this idea. And again, like we had completely not separate ideas, but like you said, you've been thinking about it for a while. So it's not like you took the idea and ran away with it. You, you had your own idea of what you wanted to do. And then you did it and it was good. And I completely got jealous and a little petty. And I was like, oh, I don't want to talk to him. And that's where my head was. And it feels so good to talk to you today and tell you this because I've been carrying it with me about this feeling I had towards you, which probably created negative thoughts at times because of the, like, oh, how's he doing so well? What's he do? Oh, man. And being petty like that. And now I get to talk to you about it. And honestly, I feel so much better telling you this. Brad, but- I just I, I just don't get it. I mean, we're all on the same team. I mean, you know, you got to work on some of those character defects. You, you wait know? for Jamie. He's going to competition is like, a risk to crush you. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, you know, you young guys, you're all about, you know, uh, no, I'm kidding. I will take your life lesson. And I do eventually learn that, Jeff. But at this point, I'm jealous. So you start your podcast, Jamie. Jamie starts his podcast and it's good. And he's listened to mine. So proof of concept, you're like, all right, well, somebody's doing it. That means can do it as well. And I think what you said to me the other day was you were nice, but you also sort of said, it didn't feel like you were getting done what I wanted to see get done. And so then you started the podcast. What was that, that you were trying to do that maybe I wasn't doing, or I, I had lost the focus and that really propelled you to start it? What started it for you? Well, no, and it wasn't that you weren't doing anything specifically. I mean, there's a couple of things. Obviously, I have an unfair advantage. I, my background is in marketing and advertising and branding. So like all that stuff is right in my wheelhouse. I mean, that's what I study. That's what I do. Um, but it, it was more just, I mean, one thing with marketing, obviously, you, you want to find your targeted audience and you want to speak directly to them. And, and that's those early episodes. They were. And that's it was great. It was brilliant because it was you doing your own therapy, which ultimately was great. Like that's we should all take care of ourselves first. Now, like when you segue that into like a podcast for other people, that's when obviously like I kind of saw that and there were episodes, I mean, just from listening to myself, it's like, okay, like 
I don't know what I can take away and apply to my life from this. Right. It was cool to listen to because it was a lot of the inner thoughts. And that's why I like, and at the time, I'll be honest, like a lot of the things you were saying were like, they were no-nos in GA. It's like, no, you don't do this. You don't do talk about some of these topics. And so it was uncomfortable to listen to. And I knew that probably some of the people that would, were long-term GA people would look at it and be like, okay, this maybe this isn't good yeah. advice. Because even like some of yours, like it, there were big breaks between them. And we can talk about that. I've had big breaks myself. And I actually did the podcast. I released the first one in four months today. And it's all about that topic alone. But oh, so nice. it wasn't so much that like something you weren't doing. It's just an opportunity that, again, like I kind of saw, I really wanted to speak directly to what I wanted to do was create a GA that was virtual, that somebody could just pop their earbuds in and that they could get the things that I got out of GA, which was hearing other people's stories because there was so much power in that. And so I used myself as the primary example. I mean, uh, I know my story better than anybody else. So most of it was just me sharing what's worked for me as well as having other people come on. And, and it was literally just that, I mean, some of my favorite emails are the ones where people's like, Hey, I just put your earbuds in and listen on the train. And, and it was, they could do that securely. And, and so they could basically get the GA experience without ever having to go. Cause I know that's such a big hurdle. I mean, you guys see like people come in and they go once and they feel good or they come a couple of times, but how many people never go? And it's purely, I know, and this is just me personally, unless my fiance said you're going, I would have come up with all the reasons not to go. So, yeah. so that was really what I saw it was just an opportunity. How, how can we get people the same information I'm getting on every Monday night and how do we deliver that? And podcast was brilliant. That's why I say like yours was proof of concept here. I'm sitting there doing puzzles and I just can't stop. I'm listening, listening, listening one after another. And so there, that's, it's such a powerful platform and that's why I'm glad to see. And I think what you said about competition, like it's great. Like it, it ups the level of everybody's stuff. Like I well, mean, it definitely upped our level. What I want to say to Jamie, and I want to talk about Reddit for a minute, if I can, because sure. um, I sort of acquainted myself with Reddit a couple of years ago, thanks to my son and son-in-law who had pretty stupid things that are on Reddit, which I always find funny because I have the maturity level of a 12-year-old. But I discovered this problem gambling subreddit, and uh, it was fascinating to me seeing all of the posts from younger people about their gambling issues, because as you know, and Brian knows, you go to GA and people in sitting around GA typically look more like me than they do look like you guys, or at least how you guys used to look 10 years ago. Um, so I started reading this stuff on Reddit and that's when I wanted to really reach out and say, well, you know, these people are not getting help except for, and I have to say this, and, and, and when I say except for, I don't mean to minimize it. They're all loving your podcast. They're all, you know, learning from it. It seems to, it seems to be their primary resource tool, which is awesome. And I, I took that as well as, of course, what Brian did and, um, and then wanted to offer these meetings, just like you had said, Jamie, about GA, sort of like um, a condensed version of GA that would be more appealing to people that have a very busy life and may not be ready to either go to a physical meeting or may not have access to a physical meeting. So started this in January of 2019. And um, it's been amazing because people all over the world, mostly Younger people have been getting support that way. So this whole community of, you know, what Brian and 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 you're in and what I'm in and, and so many others that we've met, I mean, we learned so much from each other. It's it's really been amazing. And um, but I, I do want to say that that your podcast I know really propelled me into uh, reaching out to people that are younger and didn't have the resources that maybe older people like me were willing to try and and that's a great thing yeah no absolutely you you're killing on it and that's i love seeing the meeting i mean you got the jump on COVID, right like you guys were doing the online meetings well yeah, ahead of when everybody was forced to have to do them this year it's cool to see and that's i always say it's like a bridge to help and using technology because technology is our huge asset right now like i mean that's why like for as many people as want to get upset and it's easy to get upset about online gambling and like the ability to bring problems into people's lives through online gambling. Well, that same platform can be used to get people help. 
and through podcasts, through things like Reddit, through doing vid video chats. Like, and so it, all the, the technology itself doesn't care. The technology care, the only thing that matters is what we do with it. And so I think that's the cool thing is kind of seeing what we can do with these technologies to, to reach people around the world. Because you see, I mean, it's my GA meeting now. Like we can't call it GA because that's not sanctioned. Um, but our Monday night meeting, as I like to say, we have people from New York and New Jersey and Texas and all over jumping on at times. That's the same as yours. That's something that, that's, that's only positive, right? And like they all have come from us starting and kind of sharing our stories. So Jamie, let's talk about your different projects. First, let's go with when does Gambling Still Sucks become after gambling and why the change? I'm trying to think. I think it was around July, probably of 2019, because I usually do things around either my birthday or the, the gambling birthday of sorts. And it was just one of those ones that I started, as I started to get into doing more stuff on the national council and other places. And I was just in a better place in life, to be honest. I wasn't so angry and upset as even probably in 2018 about the gambling stuff. And I really kind of wanted to portray some of those positive things and, and talk about life after gambling rather than focusing on the negative. It's one of those things. And as I started looking at it, it's like, okay, like, do I want to continue to talk about like depressing topics or do I want to focus it as a negative or do I want to flip and say, okay, like here's all the wonderful things that are starting to happen life after gambling and really kind of have that, that different view. I mean, even just the colors and stuff, I want it to be a little bit more vibrant and just um, the message just to be a little bit different. And it was one of those things it really just kind of reflected the change that I was feeling. I wasn't feeling kind of as down and depressed and shameful and sad. I definitely was seeing all the positive things to come out and I wanted to kind of carry that message forward. So flip that over to after gambling. And also like I say, I'm a marketer. I like tinkering. So it's my own personal projects. It's a little project I can do to redesign it and come up with new stuff. Um, but that was, that was something that was a monumental thing for me just because I wanted to switch it up and, and really focus on, those positive aspects that can happen. Cause I think too often we focus on all the negatives. Yeah. And um, what, what are some of the highlights from doing the podcast so far that you either anything you've learned or people you've spoken with or just reactions you've gotten? Yeah. I mean, I'll say first selfishly, I mean, it's just made my life better. Um, just talking through and, and every time I put out a podcast, it, it's a way for me to do my own therapy. I mean, in a lot of ways it's just me and my microphone and, and things that are in my mind. I think the worst place for me to keep thoughts in my mind and it just leads nowhere good and so having the podcast has been a great way to, for me to just kind of do my own therapy as needed 15 minutes strike up the microphone and go from there um but it's also been good i mean jeff commented earlier about like self-confidence like going and i mean the first time 2018 was the very first time in july that i ever talked about my gambling publicly i was here in my home state i remember afterwards the news crew wanted to interview me and i'm like no 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 i told keith i'm like nope not doing it no, that's not going to happen um, and it's helped me kind of push me outside of my comfort zone, but it's helped me grow. And then I, I got to do a, a little 15 minute talk at the national conference last year, which was cool. And it's just, ultimately it's allowed me to connect with a lot of really brilliant, smart people from around the world. Um, some of which had problems with gambling, some of which work in the industry, some of which are just advocates. Like, like I get to have these conversations and I, I'm very much kind of, I'm not a contrarian. I'm always just looking for different views and aspects on the same thing. The, the, the conventional knowledge or the agreed upon wisdom of the time is something I'm always like eh, a little skeptical of. And so having the ability, it's, it's given me a platform and an ability to reach out to talk to these people and to pick their brains and see what they think and, and say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Or, okay, I see that point, but I don't see this one. And it's really allowed me to come through and get a better view, um, kind of a more 360 view, I think, of the product itself. Um, and some of the dangers and some of the opportunities. So that's a lot of ways. And I'm kind of excited to see where it goes from here. I mean, it's something that um, my work life, I'm going to start developing more time and devoting more time to addressing this. And I do have some other projects I'm working on uh, that, that will give me some opportunity to do that. I um... One of the things I remember, um, I guess it was a number of months ago, you um, you had decided that you were going to sort of lay off social media a bit to sort of um, return to some balance. And I can totally relate to that. Could you talk about that now? You know, because social media as, as amazing and as positive as it is, just like you said, with the technology that's available to us in terms of reaching out to people and, 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 and just making, you know, connections, it also could be quite um, challenging at times. Uh, can you talk about how you in your personal life sort of try to maintain balance? 
Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, and I go in, I go in streaks, and it's something I know I'm kind of mindful of, but I'm not, I haven't figured it all out to be honest. Um, but yeah, there's times that I, I try to put it down or I try to use it for different purposes because uh, I do think you can get caught up, and I catch myself in the constant scrolling and consuming, and, and that's where going forward, my goal has always been to try and use it more to kind of share my thoughts and to get feedback on those thoughts, but not to use it on the consuming, but it's, it's a quick slippery slope, like anything else, um, that it's a challenge. It's a very real challenge. I think it's something that we're all facing. And it's also one of those things that, I mean, it's being mindful of, can you replace, are you replacing gamma with something else? I mean, I've seen that. I did a survey once, it was a couple of years ago and it really kind of shook me. It was kind of just to help out. And one of the questions they're going through these different things and they got to work. And they're like, well, when I was answering the question, I'm like, man, like I'm addicted to work. And that was one of those things I never thought of it in that way. Now being addicted to work in our society can, can look awesome on the surface. It can look like achievement and success and money and all these things. But if left unchecked, it can also lead to the same problems that we have with gamma. It's just a different form of escapism where now all of a sudden we're, we're using that as a coping mechanism. And that was really one of the first things that kind of opened my eyes. And I'm such a firm believer now that like, until we get to the point where we're addressing the serious underlying issues, then it's the whack-a-mole game. It's like, okay, I'm not gambling anymore, but I'm on social media or I'm not on social media anymore, but I'm just spending all my time working. Like I'm doing, I'm going fishing or golf. Like, and these things can all be beneficial if we're, if we're mindful of them, if they match with our intent. But I think too often we don't necessarily dig deep enough. And that's something I've been kind of, really doing that's been a big part of this break that i've had from the podcast even is just digging deeper like why is it why do i want to take breaks what is it about me that gets me and then one thing i've realized is when i get to the point where i'm having success with something that's when i start to pull away and i start to push it back and it's only been recently that kind of dug in and got a little bit better understanding on what that self-sabotage was even that part um so yeah it's it's a constant battle with all these different products and it's helpful for me to understand that about myself and just these different products to understand, okay, I don't see work as much different than gambling. I don't see it different than social media. And so like those same things that I get in trouble here with gambling, now I can use those and, and hopefully make some better decisions and I'm going to fail and I'm going to make huge mistakes and then I'm going to adjust and go from there. But it's, it's been valuable for me to, to look at it beyond just the addiction of gambling in my life. So tell me about before gambling. So sure. So we have these different projects and I was telling you earlier, like ultimately it comes down to the marketer in me wants to make sure that I'm delivering the right message to the right person. Right. And like, so when I started getting into the podcast and, and I did ones with Keith talking about legislation and some other people, and we talked about topics that for the person that just quit gambling or all they're interested in is quitting gambling. Like, it's like, I don't care. I don't care what the tax rate is in Ohio <laughs> on gambling. Right? Like, like we can get into like, I don't care about advertising. I just want to stop. And so I've tried to make a conscious effort and, and I'm not perfect on it, but I try to keep that after gambling just for the person that wants to quit and like just focus that information just tailored to them. And so that's where I start with the before gambling is something that I think long-term it's something I want to use for education. And, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I want to use it. It just made sense before gambling, after gambling. Um, but I do think there's a desperate need for just education, um, general public, how, how do parents talk to kids about gambling? How do teachers talk to kids about gambling? Like what is a society do we need to have this discussion about gambling? So it's this whole, all the stuff that should happen before somebody starts gambling or, or just some information. That's really where I'm gonna go with it. So a lot of those discussions and some of that will play into some of the legal stuff as well. But ultimately it's just, what, what do I wish I knew ahead of time? Or what are the things that I would tell somebody? What are those warning signs? And so again, that's a different audience than after gambling. It's kind of how do we keep people from having to listen to after gambling in a lot of ways? And that's the one with before gambling. Um, and then obviously my background's in branding um, and there's a whole discussion going on about advertising uh, in, in the gambling industry. Like what should be done with that? And what, what what should be done as far as co corporate social responsibility? What is the responsibility of a gambling operator? And that's a, something I'm still not completely sure what my view is. Um, it's very complicated. And that's, I started a company called Dive Agency. And that was just kind of a way for me to start to collect those thoughts around that topic. I mean, if you want to talk about my passions, that is the intersection of all things that I'm interested in. My Christmas morning, as I said on the pod, the little webinar with, with Keith a couple of weeks ago about uh, gambling and advertising, like that is my Christmas morning. It's branding, it's advertising, it's problem gambling. It's that intersection of all things that I love. And that's, that's probably the one that 
Um, at some point, we'll be definitely a commercial enterprise is what I'm, but it's, I'm in a fortunate position right now where I can kind of just, there's no rush. I don't have to rush into it. Um, but that's something I'm really exploring and just kind of, it's the home. All these things are just the home really for me to collect my thoughts. And I try to do it publicly just because that's where I get feedback. Um, the one, like I said earlier, one thing that I've learned is when I put ideas out, sometimes when I say it out loud, it doesn't sound the same as when it's in my head. Or I'll say something and I'm completely convinced that it's true. And then somebody throws out something and I'm like, man, I never thought of that. That's brilliant. And yeah, that's something I need to think of. So each one of these projects is just a way for me to kind of put my thoughts on paper, um, put them up against the wall, have some people like cross things off or circle things. So that's really what I'm trying to do with each of them. And I'm not sure what the end goal is, but I, hopefully they will lead a discussion, which is a little bit better discussion in each one of those areas about how we can address uh, problem gambling, especially gambling harm. So what do you uh, think about gambling currently in America as we are uh, every day? I think again today, another sports book uh, joined with a pro team. I just saw, gosh, what pro team was it? But it was an hour ago, a couple hours ago. So what do you think of the overall? There seems to right now there's this giant wave of online gambling and sports betting uh, being legalized state for state and going live in different states. What's your overall impression? My, I will give you mine first, and I've never been very good at giving a better definition than I think what we are headed for is a disaster because I watch the UK and I watch Australia and I watch how much gambling they have and what it did to them. And I hear everybody's stories from over there because they have a much bigger contingent than we do here, right? Like other than the councils, there's you, there's us, and there's a few other people, but the the voice of the disordered gambler isn't as loud as it is over in the UK or in Australia. So that's sort of where my head is at on the whole thing. What do you think about the wave of gambling coming over America right now? I mean, it's it's a complete train wreck and we know, I mean, that's the, to sum it up. I mean, it's here. I thought I was favorite. overselling it. And then you came in and said train wreck. So, well, no. And, and I mean, it's one of, one of the, somebody way smarter than me before me said something along the lines of, if you want to predict the future, study the past. I mean, you don't have to look very far. I mean, look around the world and, and say, what are you in? And ultimately you see failures. And that's, I mean, it's business, business one-on-one. If you have a failure, you study it and you figure out, okay, like what was it? And if you're going to relaunch in somewhere else, like you need to fix those things that are problems. I don't really see any of that happening. And I also, I mean, going back to the before game, like there's just not like we're a society right now. Like this is, this is a interesting social experiment. And, and I will say like, I am a proponent for legalizing gambling. Like now there's a huge asterisk on how that's done. Um, but ultimately like it's the right decision but it is such a fascinating, weird time to do it. I mean, the mix of smartphones and, um, and just the general insecurity of people. Uh, talk about social media. I mean, there's a reason people are drawn to social media. It's an escapism from their life. Like it's a fantasy. It's a reality. People are ill-prepared to deal with gambling. Now, like, is that the gambling company's responsibility? Well, I don't know. Like that's, that's where you get into some of those ethical things. Um, but as far as, I mean, if, if I'm drawing up, if you give me, I'm the master you puppeteer the master. And, and I'm putting together this magical potion of what can happen, where it can completely blow up. Um, I mean, it's every everything needed to make a complete train wreck is there. And I, so, you know, it, it always, the way I like to explain it is, you know, before we had Vegas, but you had to get on a plane and fly to Vegas. And it was a fun weekend away for people. And Atlantic City came along and then, each state started, the ones that wanted to started getting casinos and there were tribal casinos and there's public casinos. So in that, so now I had to get in my car and I had to drive 45 minutes to the casino that I would go to. That didn't, you know, if I didn't have gas money, I couldn't go. If uh, I didn't know if I wanted to go, I had 45 minute drive to think about it and then maybe turn around, which I was able to do, I think once or twice I actually did that. But now, like you said, it's on your phone. It's right in front of you and it's 24 hours a day and it's linked to your bank account or your credit card. It just seems ripe for disaster. And it, it, it seems like the states aren't thinking ahead properly to what's going to come back at them with all the negatives of people who gamble and lose money and those affected and all the gambling harm that occurs. Do you think we're going too fast? Do you think we should pump the brakes and say, well, let's just develop some rules first. Do you think there should be federal oversight and some sort of national, because right now there's no money federally for uh, gambling treatment or gambling harm. It's left up to each state. So where do you think that, I mean, you, you sort of mentioned we should have, gambling should be legalized, but we need to do it in a way. What is that way? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously funding for problem gambling, gambling disorder, like that should should be a no-brainer. You look around different parts of the world, that seems like that's that's a very logical step. I mean, anytime you're going to introduce something that's potentially going to have some harm, and especially if you know what the harm is, then why wouldn't you get ahead of it and try to to do some funding? That seems like such an easy low hurdle to, to clear. Um, are we going too fast? I don't know. I mean, that's there's part of me that this is this is like I say, it's a fascinating social experiment. Unfortunately, there are going to be real human lives that are at the end of this social experiment. Um, but we don't know. Like I, I'm not going to sit here and say that we're going too fast. In some ways, I mean, that's I had the thought from a discussion with somebody yesterday, and I kind of posted today. Like, do we want to? Would you rather be miserable and suffer for two weeks or ten years? And online gambling, like we've seen, I've seen it firsthand. Like I've met the people in the stories. Like it goes like this like i mean two weeks they go from not gambling at all and all of a sudden the 401k is gone is it better for them to suffer over 10 years versus two weeks like does two weeks get them to the point of help 10 years faster like i mean you can make an argument in that like that's that's kind of a crazy argument i know to make um but again it goes back to those underlying things if if the people aren't going to address the underlying issues or they don't know the underlying issues are there then in business we say fail fast and fail often like the faster you fail the faster you figure out what doesn't work and obviously like forces people into treatment. So it's impossible to, to ignore. And there are so many advantages to online um, tracking bets, especially from the operator side, but also the player side, you can look and you can see your numbers. If you choose to see your numbers, like there's no hiding. Like, I mean, it's the stats are there. So there's all these advanced pros and cons to both. Uh, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not smart enough to figure out what's the best strategy. Um, I do think we're heading to an A or an F. It's just a matter of, we don't know which one it is. There's not going to be a C plus. Like it's going to be, it's going to be failure. Or we're going to quickly adjust and figure it out. And like I say, I mean, I, I'm on the fence on this. Uh, it saddens me because I know what the stories are. I talk to the people I've lived the story. Like that's not a story. That's not a hell that I want anybody to live through at the same token. Like I know that there was no protecting me from harm of some kind. Like if I didn't get it in gambling, like I was going to figure out a way to soothe those emotional issues some way. Um, and that's why when I look back, like I'm actually like happy about going through what I went through just because it got me to the place I am today, which is much better and was able to sort through some of those things. So that's why like, it's like I say, I can put, I can go both ways on this. I can't, I can't figure out it's something that's going to happen. Um, so we need to accept that it is going to happen. Like there's no stopping it. Um, the advertising one is an interesting one. There's a lot of topics around that, but even that, like uh, you have a legal regulated industry, like, and now you're going to tell them not to advertise. I don't know. Like there's, there's so many topics. Well, but is it well-regulated might be regulated, but is it well-regulated? <laughs> is anything well-regulated? It's true. That's, I mean, yeah. Is it, I mean, I said, but so are you talking, you're, I mean, so I stopped watching, I stopped listening to a few podcasts from ESPN because every time I did, it was, there was, it was there's either gambling talk in the actual podcast which again, sports gambling wasn't, it didn't get me going, but I just didn't find it interesting then to listen to like Bill Simmons podcast when yeah. he was talking about the lines all the time. And I was like, this isn't my bag anymore. So right. I only want to listen to it. But also ESPN itself, there were so many DraftKings commercials that I was just like, I don't, I don't feel like this anymore. I'm going to turn it off. And yeah. there just seems to be so much availability of gambling that now, you know, what got me was the, my, the Detroit Tigers, my hometown team, they, they were the first MLB team to partner with a sports book. And I went, oh, of course they are. And I had found out, I think a few years earlier than that, that the owners of the Detroit Tigers were also the same owners of the casino that I spent a lot of time at. And I went, ah, oh, these people, ah, oh, they're after me. And so just getting more and more interested in that. Now I think, well, now if I go to a ball game, there's just going to be gambling advertising all over the place for points bet. And I just, the in-play availability to gamble combined with the advertising it just, it feels too much to me, right? I don't know if it is, but it feels too much. Like, do we have to see gambling everywhere? You know, dad's going to be on his phone and I'm probably overselling it, or maybe I'm not, I don't know. But dad's going to be on his phone gambling while the kids are sitting next to me in a hot dog. Where, where does it end? Because then I go, well, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to legalize gambling everywhere. Let's, we've done marijuana. Let's go with the next level. Let's get cocaine and heroin legalized. So people can just make their own decisions if that's what we're doing. And we can all have whatever we desire. Legalize prostitution. Let's just get it all out there and do it. Why does gambling get the, well, but gambling's okay. These drugs and prostitution are not. Yeah, do you have any yeah. thought on that or is my question ridiculous? No, I mean, uh, you can look, I mean, Portugal decriminalized all 
I think all drugs and they saw great, good results from it. I mean, that was one of the swings that, I mean, they were the big one that they, they started to reconnect those people that were drug addicts instead of throwing them in jail forever. It was like, okay, let's figure out what skill they have and, and build upon that skill, get them connected back to the society. Cause that's, I mean, it's the Johan Hari, like the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. So, I mean, there's part of that. Uh, I mean, like what you said about, is it too much? Probably. And the consumer, I mean, you as a consumer, like the dad that's on the phone, all of a sudden the wife's going to get pissed. And like, she's going to reach out like that's so these things we wish. And I think that's the one thing with a lot of advocates, we know, like we can see ahead, right? We're, we're the consultants. We can see around the corner. We see the issues that are coming and we wish that we could create a situation where they didn't happen. But ultimately, like it's beyond our control in some ways. Sometimes, I mean, it's the, the person, the kid touching the hot stove, like you got to touch the hot stove to find out, unfortunately. But ultimately, like, I, I do think the consumer will figure it all out. Uh, there's going to be pushback. I mean, that's the, the changes that are happening in the UK. It's because they overdid it. Consumers are pushing back and the consumers are going to push back until they get that change and the lawmakers will have to follow suit. I mean, I think there's also, I mean, as the brands build up, there's an opportunity for them to be a safer. I mean, who's going to be a Volvo of the sports betting industry? Because I don't, personally, I don't want to tell somebody, I don't tell my friends, don't gamble. In fact, when they say like, hey, I listen to your story, I don't gamble anymore. It's like, no, 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 you missed the story. Like you missed the takeaway. But if I had a company, I'm like, look, if you're going to gamble, gamble with this company because they're going to look after you. They're going to do these checks. They're going to make sure that you have the funds. They're going to cut you. Like that would be something of value for me to promote. And I think we're just, the three of us, we're, we, like I said, we see ahead. And so we, we see some of these changes that could be made or should be made today. And it's frustrating not to see them. But I, I think ultimately we'll get there. It's going to be a little ugly and it's going to be, it's going to be filled with A's and F's, but hopefully I'm confident that, I mean, the consumer eventually figures it all out. I mean, if you're, if you're the factory and you're dumping sewage in your, in your lake and all or the river and all of a sudden the lake is polluted, nobody can go swim there. The people around that city get pissed off and they go back and they make changes. Yeah. So it's, it, it just takes time. And that's ultimately like, we, we wish we'd, it didn't. We wish we could fast forward. I wish I could fast forward to 20 years and be like, okay, we figured this out. Now let's hit play. And everybody, everybody like that comes into gambling, they've listened to before gambling and, and all the great people, the epics of the world that they're doing great training. And they come into this with a better understanding of what the product is. And families are more aware and they can say, oh, wait, hey, dad's on his phone. Like, hey, dad, remember, like, don't do that. Like, this is, you know, this is what people get into trouble with. And like, they're able to look out and look after each other. And then when they do get into trouble, they know, hey, there's all these podcasts to go to. I wish we could get to that level of awareness, but it's just going to take time. Like, and that's unfortunate. Um, I just don't see another way. And that's why, yeah, it's complicated. It's the more you dig into this. And I'm not, the Jeff less and I, I know. Not, you know, as you said, Jeff and I also not anti-gambling. I'm, I'm for gambling. People should be able to gamble if they want to gamble. But I just, I just want to make sure on the other end that no matter what, there is treatment available. There is free treatment available because people are going to need it. Yeah. I mean, when you see states and, and they're, they're starting to accept tax revenue and they're not even doing research to, to actually evaluate if there's any change, like that is, that's the bury your head in the sand and, and hope for no problems. That's, that's really hard to defend. And that's going to be very difficult to defend in 10 years or 20 years. Like, I mean, the long game always tells the true story. And so there's going to be people that look back and there's going to be a lot of embarrassment and shame, I think, from how this is done today. And hopefully, hopefully that gets figured out sooner rather than later. But yeah, I mean, if you're a state and you literally aren't, you're not collecting any money to help if there is a problem and you're not tracking to see as it does go up. And also even on that, you're not paying attention and talking to experts from around the world because it's going to go up. Like anybody says it's not going to go up. It goes up in every market. Now there's also research that says after it goes up, it comes back down and levels out and it ends up being about what it was before. So like there's, there's all this information, but you got to go out and seek it and you got to also plan ahead. Otherwise, otherwise it, like right now it is, it does kind of feel like you, you throw the Ferrari keys to the 15 year old and say, Hey, have a good weekend. Jimmy, I, I want to bring that conversation to a more of a micro level for a second. Sure. I, I see all the time um, you responding to certain posts on Reddit where people are clearly struggling and you're always not only great at giving wisdom, but also in offering help. And I wonder, do people actually contact you individually? Do you find yourself talking to one-on-one -on -one with people that are struggling a lot? How do, and how do you have the time to do that? And how does that fit in with what you do? 
It's a mix. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's times I get DMs and I try to respond to all of them. I don't have too many ongoing conversations over, over great lengths of time. Um, I just don't. Outside of my Monday night meeting and a few other people that I check in with. And that's one of the early on. And that's, and to be honest, I mean, that's part of why I think at times I stopped doing the podcast because I don't want to be, I've always said, I, I want to be a bridge to help you get to a better place and to get to the systems that, that aren't me as the solution. Because I'm not trained. I don't have letters before my name. I'm not a psychiatrist. Like I'm not a psychologist. I'm not any of that. So like, and so I've been very kind of cognizant of trying to direct people to help. I don't like, and I mean, flat out, I don't like being the source of help for people. And I guess along the same line, do, do you do anything uh, that's strictly for your own recovery? And I say, you know, I'm using, I'm trying to use the words carefully because I know everything that you do helps you just like I feel the same way, but do you do something that is strictly for you in recovery? Um, I mean, yeah, everything is, everything that I do kind of helps. Uh, I mean, one thing that just comes to mind, I don't know if this is where you're going, but I mean, I go for walks, I go for long walks and I, I've actually stopped using headphones. Now I don't even listen to podcasts or anything. That's, that's my time to just kind of be and sit and think with my, and be with my own thoughts and this morning I did five miles. And I feel great. So, I mean, that's, that's one of those things. And, and it really does. I mean, that's, it's the whole, and I never understood this until I had kids, but when you're on the airplane, the people come down and they're like, Hey, if, if the plane's going down, put your oxygen mask on before your kids. And they tell you that. And I, when you hear that without kids, but when you have a kid and you're like, no, but I, but you understand it at a different level. It's like, no, I need to take care of myself. If I'm going to help them, then I need to take care of myself first. And so that's been the one. And so I try to be better. Um, I take breaks from the podcast where I don't do them. Um, there's other reasons behind that. But one of those is that I want to make sure that I'm taking care of myself first. And yeah, sometimes sometimes I overdo it. I overwork. I over social media. I over try and help. Uh, and it's something I'm, I learn from and try to grow and create a little bit better version the next time I come out. So, so what's, what's Jamie look like in five years? So I was asked this and I hadn't really thought of it too much a little bit ago. And I really think it's going to be, I always talk about gambling because that's the thing I know best, especially when, through the lens of addiction. But I, I definitely like talking about other areas of my life and just life in general. Um, I like to try and distill things down into bigger picture. Um, so I'll probably be talking about addiction just in general and just life in general, like being a better father. I, I definitely think there's probably a, a good chance I'll be just writing a lot. Um, writing a lot, creating a lot around my life. And ultimately that's comes back to the, I don't, I, I try to think of this and I've always tried to put everything through the frame of, I just talk about my life and what works for me. Like I don't give advice. Like when people ask things, I'll say like, here's what's working for me. Like it's not, here's what you should do. It's, this is something that works for me. And when I do that, I can speak from a point that like, one, it's no bullshit. Like literally it's like, this is what works for me. And I hope it works for you. Um, but when I do that, that just seems to really help me. And so I see myself doing more of that just because I've seen how beneficial it's been for me in addressing my addiction and kind of bettering myself. And so I, I definitely see myself kind of just doing more writing, um, hopefully, hopefully advising as that train being like Superman trying to slow down that train a little bit that's, that's crashing, but I, we'll see. That's the old mantra that I thought was the dumbest thing ever at GA was the one day at a time. And those old guys would just tell me one day at a time, one day at a time, like, no, what are you talking about? But it's so true. And that's when you really boil things down to, to just staying in the moment and trying to focus on whatever it is right now. Um, that's really what matters. And so I, I think that's my North star. My North star has always been to kind of reduce gambling harm, right? Like anything that's whenever I, like, I'm asked to do something, especially if it's public, it's like, uh, should I say, or should I say this? Should I say this out loud? Should I say this on Twitter, which my Twitter filter is getting very thin these days. There's not much of a filter between what's in my head and what goes out. But a lot of times that one filter is like, okay, can this help somebody? Like, is this something that helps reduce gambling harm? Like, does me either talking about my terrible moment help somebody? Or does me talking about this situation, like whatever it is. And with that kind of North Star of just helping other people, but also through helping myself, it's, it's definitely, there's been a freedom to not have to hide behind anything anymore. And that's been quite wonderful. So I will probably double down using a gambling term because they're in everything and catch myself doing them all the time, but probably continue to do more in uh, just trying to help myself because, and then explain it as best I can to the world. So how do you uh, feel about the people that say, I'm grateful 
that I had this gambling addiction because look at the journey that it took me on. Oh, I 100% agree with that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back. And that's to the discussion of online. Obviously, a lot of mine was online. If I could have lost all the money I lost and learned the lessons in a two-week span, that would have been better than over seven years. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been something I don't know that I would have gotten to this point. There's no going back and kind of playing the two ways. But I, I'm, in, I'm in a good place now that I don't know that I would have gotten. I, would, I mean, there are some of those character flaws, those defects um, of 21-year-old me and 28-year-old me that would probably still be uh, going in at 38 year old me and some of the, some of those things the world would be saying hey you're doing really well doing this thing that ultimately was a defect and and not really making my life better so yeah i'm definitely grateful um for having gone through this and, and it's allowed me to connect with a lot of people and i think that's the thing like even just this like you connect with people on a deeper level um that was not even on my mind at 28 so well said well said yeah I like uh, to, I just want to make a comment. Jeff and I try not to give advice either. We, I'm, I'm very much, because I, I don't know anything. I just talk about my own addiction and I say, well, this is what I did. So people who listen to this podcast will they'll be like, you just said that on the last 25 episodes, but it's because that's what I know to do is tell you what I did. I wouldn't recommend it, but this is what I did. And here it is on a platter. And if you choose to follow that, that is your choice. But this is what I did. And that's the only way I know how to do this sort of podcast is just speak from experience. And so you learn that lesson as well. It sounds like, because you can't, can't come out here and tell other people what to do. I, I, you know, that doesn't work for me. I always like to listen to, well, how did this person get from point A to point B? You know, I was a film fan growing up. So I always wanted to know, well, how did Kevin Smith do this in the way that he did it? How did he make clerks step-by-step? And I learned and I went, oh my gosh, that's really cool. When you hear how somebody did it, themselves versus them giving you advice that probably is going to be thin because really advice i don't know how many people i want to accept it from so hearing just like well they tried it and this is what happened is much better for me and so that's how i've always sort of approached this jeff and i I think run that same level of just trying to well this is what we did and we're not telling you what to do but i hope you will do something and maybe you learn from what we said i mean i think that's that's really the the value to, in my view of like a GA meeting, I mean, people sharing, it's not to give direction, but for somebody that is listening to all of the people around the table, share their experiences, they have to decide which ones fit them and which ones likely will work or this, which ones are comfortable. Because I always find that if you tell people what to do, if you direct them what to do, the chances of them really doing it on a long-term basis is pretty slim if they're not invested in it. But if they come up with the plan themselves, even based upon what they hear from you or others, I think that uh, you know th- there's a much greater chance of success in recovery. I mean, self-exclusion is the perfect example. Like, I don't talk about self-exclusion much other than when people ask them, like, it works really well for some other people. Like, it's not something I did. We didn't have casinos. I couldn't self-exclude. I self-excluded back in the day from some online sites. Um, It didn't really stop me from going to the other ones. So, like, I know some of the the pros and cons. I always tell people, hey, it sounds like if you think it's a good idea, then definitely do it, right? Like, there's so many benefits to it. But I'm not going to say, oh, one of the first things you have to do is self-exclude because I never did it that's the I same with this either and i never some... it was because it was a, a trespassing charge where i was and i didn't want i thought well i know me and i'm probably more likely to go gamble again so i should be cognizant of the fact that i don't want to go get in trouble with the law then and that was sort of my line and i was like why would i sign something volunteer i'll just keep myself away but also then i see the benefits in it like well that would work for somebody right it wasn't going to work for me but other people yeah. And I'd rather have that person come on and talk about how great self-exclusion is than me beat it to somebody like, because I can't speak to that. That's, yeah. And I think there has to be a recognition of the difference between a roadblock like self-exclusion and actual working on recovery. I mean, self-exclusion and things of that nature, you know, having limits, taking away credit cards, all that, they're great in terms of putting distance between your thought and your action. But if you're not going to work on yourself and really get to the root of your issues, these are just um, you know obstacles that can very easily be 
navigated through if you really want to gamble. So, but for a lot of people, it does help. A lot of people, it does help. No, definitely. That's you hit on it. I mean, if you focus on those, those underlying things, like that builds resilience. Like early on, we need those other little things, the roadblocks, they help out tremendously. Um, but ultimately I want to get to get people where it's just resilient because the reality is we can only control what we can tr- control. Like the gambling market's going to expand and it's going to be at your baseball games and it's going to be at these other places. Yeah. That's beyond anything I can control, but I can control the things that are within my control. And that's what I try to focus on. So, well, Jamie Salzberg, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was really nice to talk to you finally after all this time. I hope we can do it again before the next six years. Of course. Yeah. No, this has been wonderful. Uh, anytime. It's it's fun to come on and chat with other people. And if this can help somebody else, which obviously it does, then that's all that really matters. And ultimately, I feel a hell of a lot better today at the end of this. Each one of these, it's like your own little therapy session. So I well, it, was, it was something that was, I was just like, boy, I'd never talked to that guy and we should talk. And it it, it, it is nice to now have having done that and now again you get somebody's voice in your head and you can sort of see then when they say something on twitter like oh well i know what i know what that sounds like it's probably not how i'm reading it i know what it sounds like now and so it's just nice to put a voice with words and put that all together and be able to understand you better and also now we've had this communication so it's we can kind of get where each other's coming from in a in a better way and also, this just opens more doors to talk later. So this has been great. So thank you so much. And Jamie, just just before you go, if you wouldn't mind answering one more question, what is your favorite podcast for gambling addiction? My favorite podcast for gambling addiction is the one that somebody's listening to at the moment. Oh, that's uh, a very diplomatic answer. Boom. Hey, uh, that's that's ultimately what matters. Like that's whatever somebody listens to, and it helps them get through that moment. Really, right. you, you just have to surf the or urge, like get that through that 10 minutes, 15 minutes, get them through to some time where they aren't gambling. Like that is the best podcast. So yeah. of course, and it has blue and light blue. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the best place is probably just on Twitter at Jamie Salzberg. That kind of links off to all my different stuff. I kind of, now I use that one publicly to share gambling stuff and non-gambling stuff. So you'll listen to see my bad Brown stakes and everything else. But, uh, that's probably the easiest place to catch everything me. It's nice to know another football sufferer. As a Lions fan, I know your pain. I feel it longer, but I still know it. And uh, well, you you also had a bit <laughs> thievery in the middle of the night, so I'm I guess I shouldn't talk fully. But uh, it's been great to have you on, Jamie. Jamie Salzberg, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks, thanks guys. For listening. Thanks, Jamie. without gambling and check out gamban.com they're our presenting sponsor and they are wonderful people please support them as best you can this podcast was presented by lee street media llc